What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? Today on the show, we are joined by another local favorite marketer, Manuela Barcenas. She's a growth enthusiast and a startup marketer on a mission to help managers and their teams work better together. By the age of 18, Manuela had lived in three different countries, Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. And in 2014, she decided it was time for a new challenge and moved to Canada. She's a journalism and communications grad from Carleton here in Ottawa, and she caught the startup bug pretty early on, interning with Startup Canada right out of school, and then working as a community developer at Carleton University. In 2018, Manuela was the marketing hire number one at Fellow.app, one of the hottest startups in Ottawa, and we're going to dive into those guys today. Uh, she's been living the startup marketing life for nearly three years now at Fellow. She's helped launch the successful Super Managers podcast. She runs a huge newsletter, the Manager TLDR newsletter, and she's self-taught in HubSpot, Google Analytics, and a bunch of other stuff. Manuela is a rising star and a must-follow on marketing Twitter. She tweets about mindset, marketing, and management, and always has amazing quotes. Manuela, thanks so much for taking the time to coming on the Humans of MarTech today. Thanks for the kind words, Phil, and thanks for having me. This is very exciting. For sure. We uh, we love fellow um, you know, local Ottawa company, huge fans of supporting the startup ecosystem. And I wanted to kind of start off today by just like, maybe you can take us back in time and like walk us through like the early days, the early months of being at fellow, like the first marketing hire, tiny team with like all this ambition. Um, yeah, take us back in time. For sure. So ambition is the right word. So it was 2018 when I met Aiden um, and he told me about this product that he was testing with a small group of managers at Shopify. Mm -hmm. And I could just tell his passion and like you said, the ambition in his eyes, right? To make this a great product and build a great company behind this product. So that really caught my attention. And I remember messaging him on LinkedIn the next day after meeting him saying like, hey, like, I would love to talk about this thing you're building. I could tell his passion. So we met and like you said, I was hired as the first marketer in the company. What is fun is that um, I was hired as the sixth employee, but everyone back then was a developer. So was building the product. So I was the first non-technical employee. And when I joined, I was doing a lot of customer support and content. So mm -hmm. we didn't even have a website back then. And my first couple of months were all about chatting with managers at Shopify who were testing the product and answering their questions. So I had to learn a lot about how the app worked. And also I started developing content for our upcoming website. Like we didn't even have a website. So Aiden told me, why don't we start writing the content? So when we publish that website, we're ready with a bunch of blog posts and articles to go. So those were my, my first couple of months at Fellow. When I look back, it's hard to believe it's been almost three years, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it's been a great journey and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. It's like, it's a wild, uh, sorry, I'm going to jump in. It's a wild journey. I, I didn't realize like uh, how you started. It's actually extremely similar to, to my my origins as well. Uh, I was employee number eight, one of the first non-technical hires as well in a, in a startup uh, ecosystem. It, it really puts a new lens on things. Like talk us through those early days. Like there's, there's, 
you know, I, I sense the same as with me, you're pretty early in your own marketing career and then given a huge task of growing this company. So talk us through like the pressure you felt, uh, how you dealt with that and how you rose to the occasion and what advice you'd have for folks in, in a similar uh, place in their career. Yeah, so I think one one thing here that is very important, and this this is more like a management and leadership lesson that I always mention is from the very beginning, Aiden uh, just showed a lot of trust in me. I think he knew I was a very young and inexperienced marketer, but he trusted me to learn quickly and gave me give give me big responsibilities from the beginning. So I joined the company, and one of the first projects I I got was work with this freelancer, a designer, to build our first website. I had never built a website before. Like I had a personal <laughs> blog, but it was like very small, and only my friends read it. Uh, and that's a huge task. Like now that I look back, it's like you're telling someone build our website, write the copy for our features page, you know, write, write the copy for our homepage. Um, so that was a huge responsibility. So I, I think like when I look back, I really appreciate that Aiden just gave me that trust to figure things out on my own, to learn how to do things on the go. And that has been like a repetitive thing throughout my marketing and startup journey. I think as the company grows, you have to learn new skills, learn new tools, and um, I've been able to grow with the company, if that makes sense. Yeah, to totally makes sense. And building upon that trust and, and having that confidence to move forward, right? Like, in the early days, you're, you're everything. Uh, you said customer support too. Like that's it's wild how 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 much breadth there is in an early marketing role. As you've gone and and progressed in your career, obviously fellows had some has lots of success, and you've got to pick a little bit of a swim lane. How do you how did you pick what you like to work on out of you know the gamut of things that you're trusted with? I'm sure you like everything, but we all like one or two things the most. What what do you like the most, and how did you pick that? Yeah, so I'm a journalist by training, right? I graduated from journalism school. So I love writing and I love content, high quality content that is useful and helpful for people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I'm so passionate about content marketing. And it's been one of the main channels for growth at Fellow. Mm -hmm. uh, like Phil said, we have a blog, we have a newsletter with thousands and thousands of subscribers. We have a podcast which is growing every week with thousands of, of listeners as well. So um, I think my background in journalism uh, really um, is connected to this passion for content marketing that I've developed. But like you said, uh, Jonathan, like I've been able to learn about so many areas of marketing uh, in those early days. Another example of trust was Aiden telling me, okay, go create our Google Ads account. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, so I created a Google Ads account. I, I remember he sent me an ebook called Alpha Beta Google Ads Campaigns, something like that. I'm not sure if you've heard about this concept. And I just read that guide, learned about creating campaigns in Google Ads, and started doing it, right? Um, I think uh, one of the one of my favorite books we'll probably reference this later is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm -hmm. And he talks about action versus motion, right? Like when when you want to learn something, a lot of people spend a lot of time in the motion stage. So like planning how you're going to do it, planning how you're going to learn. Um, but I think when you work at a startup, you don't have time for that. You just have to take action, right? <laughs> so I was told, OK, we need Google Ads campaigns. 
I was like, okay, on it, read some <laughs> things on, on the internet, watch YouTube videos, created our Google ads, and they were live in a couple of days, right? So um, going back to your question, I've chosen like a, to specialize in content, but I'm also very passionate about other areas of marketing. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about startups is that you get to influence all those other areas, right? Like I still influence our ads campaign, yep. uh, ad campaigns, even though we work with a performance, performance marketer in-house now, but I'm a part of all those conversations and all those decisions, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think being early on, you get to sense of what is the connective tissue between all the different areas of of marketing. You can specialize, but like there is, I get grouchy about the T-shaped marketer all the time. I think there's a question buried in here, but like I don't, what I don't like about the T-shaped marketer is uh, that it promotes too much depth in one area. But I actually think there's a, there's value in being super broad and having some specialties, but actually being able to, as you put put things into action and and get things done. Yeah, th there is a lot of value in, you know, having like broad knowledge and, and a broad, you know, range of skills. But this is something Aiden always tells me. He always tells me, but don't undervalue um, having a superpower. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like being very knowledgeable about one thing and being the top 1% in one in that one skill. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like if you as a marketer can know a little bit of everything but still have like one superpower like one skill that you're really great at i think that that will help you differentiate yourself that's super cool i like that um like as part of like all the areas that that you tried like all the different hats that you wore in in your your early startup career in the last three years at fellow you mentioned content is kind of the hat that you enjoy wearing the most based on like your your background and, and your skill set and stuff like that what about the areas that like you dislike the most or you find challenging the most and, and how did you tackle some of those things like i know that we've chatted before about like uh, some of the martech stack at, at fellow and like attribution side of things like walk us through that a little bit yeah so there's always going to be like we all have weaknesses right in, in areas for for growth and opportunity um so i think since i like my my career development or my you know early part of my career journey was so focused on content i didn't have a lot of experience in uh, the more analytical side of things, right? Like analyzing trends and looking at stats and creating spreadsheets to analyze. Okay, I'm, I'm great at creating content, but like at the beginning of my career, I didn't even think about analyzing the conversion rates in our content and all those mm -hmm. really important things in, in SaaS, right? And, and in B2B marketing. So I think those were areas that I really struggled with at the beginning. Um, but I, I think that the most important thing is, is like I said, you can learn so many things, not only online, but from peers. Like, mm -hmm. I think, uh, one, one of the things I've loved the most about working at, at Fellow, a small company is that you work very closely with, um, other people in the company. So we have a data scientist who's really great at these things. Uh, we, we hired, uh, like I said, a performance marketer this year, and now I meet with him every week. And I, in every meeting, I try to absorb mm -hmm. as much knowledge as I can. Right. So, um, it's just, I think having this mindset that yes, you're going to have areas that you're not super strong at, but if you can absorb that knowledge from other people in your company, from mentors, uh, from resources, I think we can all we can all learn more about different areas. 
It's a fascinating thing of working in working in startup land, like underneath the umbrella of marketing are so many different areas. <laughs> like you can have your marketing operations, you can have your like front end web development and design, graphic design, illustration, copywriting, content marketing. And, and, and there's a lot of pressure there. So how do you like, you know, I, again, I'm going back to these listeners who are probably in a small startup, you know, have a huge responsibility, especially for the stage of career they're in. How have you prioritized and, and you know, looked at that and said, well, this is where I focus or not focus. And how do you kind of in, integrate these uh, skills into into your practice? Yeah, that's a great question. And it uh, reminds me, I don't know if you guys follow Dave Gerhardt, a marketer who posts a lot on LinkedIn, and he always says, life is too short to work for us for a CEO that doesn't get marketing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I've been really lucky to work with Aiden, who is someone that really understands the value of short term gains, right? Like they're they're in marketing, you can have like short term gains, for example, have things that convert really quickly. But you also need to build a brand and have long term wins, right? And I think Aiden has, he really understands those concepts. So for, I've heard from other marketers that, that they get a lot of pressure to show results for everything that they do, right? Mm -hmm. But I think at Fellow, we've found a balance between uh, long term wins and, and brand building initiatives like the Super Managers podcast, the Manager TLDR newsletter, and then short term wins, right? With our ads and, um, you know, like, optimizing content for conversions. Um, so so to answer your question about prioritizing, I think it's important to, yes, prioritize the things that are going to bring, uh, you know, the, the highest impact. And if you notice that something works, then double down on that thing that is really, mm -hmm. really working for you. Uh, but at the same time, also acknowledging that not everything needs an immediate win, right? Like in marketing, I'm a huge fan of brand building and yep. trust building with people. So, so I think it's a balance between, between those things in order to prioritize your, your marketing activities. Um, but if, if, if we're talking about prioritizing all the things that you have to do as a startup marketer, I'm also a big fan of, uh, you know, I'm a productivity nerd. I love concepts like time blocking, um, you know, measuring how much time I'm spending on each activity to make sure like I'm, Mm -hmm. kind of like working at my best so so those are two, two things yeah. that i think about that i you, you know it, it's funny you hit upon something that i think is probably a lot of folks listening are thinking yeah that's a pain point i have is that balance between short-term gains and, and long-term brand building and every marketer on the planet you talk to is going to say build a brand build trust uh and you guys at fellow have an awesome podcast that it, it's a slow burn right it you don't start you know with a massive audience you have to put the work in every week talk about the value of brand building um and and how that has worked at fellow and how things like the podcast and the newsletter that have helped you guys, uh, you know, reach that next level? Yeah, so, um, yeah, our brand is really important to us. And that's why we we try to produce as much, you know, helpful content as we can. Because at the end of the day, we want people to remember us when they experience a problem with their meetings, when they're tired of attending meetings that don't have an agenda. At the moment they think, oh my God, this email could have been an email. What's happening with all my meetings? They're so mm -hmm. exhausting and draining. We want people to think, oh, right, fellow helps with that, right? Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not only about um, 
yeah, like you said, the, the short term gain, but it's about building that trust with people. So when they experience the problem, whether it is next month or in three years, they'll think about us. Mm -hmm, yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's a differentiator, right? Like, I think so many, we, we've seen more and more competitors in the space since the company started. And, and Aiden, I remember warned us of this three years ago, he said, like, wait two years and we'll see like 10 of these products, very similar products. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that is going to differentiate you from those products is your brand and the people behind your brand. I'm a big fan of companies like Drift and Gong, right? Like yeah. when I think about Drift, I think about David Cancel and back then David, David Gerhard when he was a CMO or yeah. VP marketing. Um, and when I think about Gong, I know their, the names of people that work there and I don't meet, I don't know them, but I know them through LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So um, whenever I have a problem related to what those companies do, I'm sure I'm going to, they're going to be the first that I yeah. look for. Yeah. And I think a lot of branding is making, making your brand the default choice in this space. Like, oh, I don't need to look at competitors. I'm, if I'm going to talk about conversational marketing, I'm going to go to drift, you know, it's, it's just a done deal before you even get to that point. Exactly. Walk us through like some behind the scenes of the podcast. I'm super curious to to know like um, like what what role you have. Like how many people are involved in like the the show behind the scenes. Like Chad uh, and I run the humans of Martech. So like we know that you know coming up with like uh, guests and like topics and uh, editing. Like walk us through like all the the moving pieces behind the scenes and how many people are involved. Yeah, I think most people don't know how much work <laughs> a podcast can be. It's a lot of steps, like you said, mm -hmm. like from choosing the guests to writing the questions to, in our case, we have an illustration for every episode, right? And people don't often think like, we have to like ask the illustrator to draw it, but it's so like uh, detailed, like we have to tell him the color of people's eyes and the color of people's hair. Like it's, it's like very uh, detailed steps. So. What's the process behind the podcast? So a fun story is that when I look back, I can't believe the podcast was just like a random idea we had at the office one day. <laughs> I remember Aiden walked in and he, he always like got to the office, like very like excited about new ideas and energetic. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's all CEOs that are always like yeah. idea, idea, <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, and one day he was like, I love podcasts. You love podcasts. Why don't we start a podcast? And I was like, yeah, let's start a podcast. And then we went to a white to a whiteboard in the office and started brainstorming names. And we were like, okay, super managers, that's a really cool name. And then I think then the next week, uh, SAS North was happening in Ottawa after we had that little brainstorm. And we were like, okay, why don't we just uh, email people who are attending SAS North, like the speakers that are coming to SAS North, and those will be our first guests. We we're like, okay, let's do it. So we emailed the SAS North organizers and we, we asked them to introduce us to a couple of the speakers and they introduced us to David Cancel, who was here for SAS North and Michelle Romanov, who is the C, the president of ClearCo in Toronto. Um, that's why our two first episodes are David Cancel and Michelle Romanov, because it was a <laughs> quick idea. No we big were deal. Like, let's exit. Let's execute on it. And we interviewed them in person here in Ottawa when they were here for a conference like 10 days after we had the idea. So I think that's a fun story because it goes to show the beauty of like moving quickly and how you can do that in startups, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like hesitation. Um, no, no hesitation. Yeah. No hesitation. Like, what's the? <laughs> and it's also like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You interview these two people, 
you, you, the, your podcast runs out of steam and you tried something and you learned <laughs> and, and there you go. But you guys yeah. obviously have built this into, into a successful uh, brand building enterprise for you guys. Yeah, so to answer your original question, the the process behind the podcast. So we work with uh, a podcast producer uh, who is a, a freelancer podcast producer, but she's been with us for almost a year. Her name is Maddie. Shout out to Maddie. <laughs> um, I've worked with her for a while. And uh, at the beginning, I was the one uh, writing the questions for the guests, so doing all the research. Uh, but now Camilla, who is uh, one of our teammates here at Fell, our marketing coordinator, is in charge of researching and writing the questions. Uh, and then Aiden and I read those questions, add a couple of questions. You know that sometimes I add questions that I'm like, oh, I actually want to ask this person mm -hmm. this question. You know, I'm yeah. interested to hear what they had to say about this. Um, so it's a very collaborative process. So basically, yeah, it's Maddie, Camilla. Then uh, I do a lot of the outreach. So I think one of my... Um, I don't, I don't know if I would call it my superpower, but one of my favorite things is just like building relationships with people, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so I love being the one who emails the guests and builds that initial connection and tells them why we want to interview them and the topics that we would love to hear from them, um, you know, about. And, um, and then, yeah, we schedule the interview and Aiden does it. Um, and that's the process. We, we've, we've developed a very thorough checklist like a step-by-step -step process and i'm going to give an, another shout out here to erin blasky because she was our director of marketing for for one year and one of the things that i learned from erin was an obsession with processes mm -hmm. like if you have a process things will get done right so for the podcast we have a detailed checklist from order the guest illustration to send an email to the guest uh, with a recording one week prior to one week before the episode goes live to, you know, post on Twitter about the interview. Like it's very detailed and it repeats yeah. every week. It's interesting because uh, you said something that got, got me thinking, like the spontaneity that goes with the podcast and launching it, and then also the process that goes behind it. Like so many marketers and folks that I've talked to in my career are, are allergic to process. You're like, hey, we should bring in a process. And they're like, no, they broke out in hives. They're not going to touch this process with a 20-foot pole because I think they think that it's like the death of creativity. But I feel mm -hmm. like in this, like you, you guys have nailed the process while still having spontaneity. Do you want to talk a little bit about about how you guys integrate process into your creative uh, work? I, I love that question because yes, you can have a process, but that doesn't mean that you can try new things, right? Mm -hmm. So, super like small, I guess a small example, but it it reminds me. Um, like your question reminds me of this last week as part of the process we were creating audiograms so basically short cl clips of the podcast to release on instagram every week and then last week our team decided you know what let's try instead of an audiogram we'll create a reel because reels right now on instagram like the algorithm you know tends to favor them so we created a reel from harley finkelstein's episode the shop the president of shopify and that reel did way better than any of our previous audiograms. Mm, so it's like yeah. a very, you know, small experiment, but it goes to show even if you have a, if you, if you have a process, you can experiment with the things that are a part of that process. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? That totally makes um, sense, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we like you said, like we encourage creativity. Something that I like to tell uh, you know, Camilla and Nicole who are on my team is that 
like if they have suggestions to add to even remove you know from all our processes they they can do so and uh, we have these processes documented in the company wiki so whenever for example camilla has an idea she knows that uh she can add it to the to the checklist so she has access to edit the checklist and adds new things and then the process becomes longer but it becomes more thorough and better right so we're always iterating on those processes yeah i love it i love it there's there's probably a couple of tips in there that uh we can learn from that joan i think there's a, a lot more process checklist <laughs> that uh we could build for for oh. our episodes <laughs> I've become obsessed with processes. Like we have a checklist for how to publish a blog post that we follow every day when we publish a blog post. We have a checklist for how to publish and create a podcast episode. Uh, we have checklists for events that we host. So every event follows the same checklist. So yeah, walk us, I've become obsessed with processes. <laughs> walk us through the, the process for the newsletter. I know that uh, the newsletter is like a big big uh, like a big chunk of your time, right? Like um, the podcast came after the newsletter was uh, launched first. Like, so walk us through like maybe uh, I'd love to like hear your thoughts on like learning HubSpot, like your journey, learning HubSpot, like being given the keys to like, this is your email marketing tool. It's an automation tool. You don't know anything about it today, but like go learn it yourself and, and figure it out. And then like, this is what we're going to use to send out all the emails for, for our newsletter. So walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so um, like I said before, one of the cool things about joining a startup early in your career is that you grow as the startup grows, mm -hmm. right? So um, I think all the skills I've been learning and, and for example, the ways I've been using HubSpot have changed as the company demands more from me as a marketer and, and from HubSpot as a tool, I guess. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning when I joined, the only thing we needed was a form for people to sign up for early access to the product because we were still in beta, right? Yeah. Um, and we used HubSpot forms for that. But then one day we decided, oh, it's time to build an audience, to collect emails from our blog readers. Let's create a newsletter. So we started the newsletter on HubSpot. Now we use HubSpot for many other things, right? Like we have automated emails for people who sign up to the product. Uh, we have automated emails for people who download our content and our eBooks. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm, I'm answering your question, Phil, but yeah, basically it's like, as the company demands more things, I think, uh, I've been, I felt the need to learn different ways to use HubSpot as a tool. So it's been like very progressive. No, I love it. Or it's been like a, like a progression. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a, a ton of sense. Like, um, I love that you guys like started off with HubSpot and got, got a sense of like, like almost like a hundred person database, right? Like your newsletter list started super small and it's like grown to like a thousand and like your use of the tool increases. Oh, with thousands everything. and thousands. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. Um, maybe like one thing I, I'd love to, to touch on, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up here, you mentioned like growth and like all the, the, the growth areas um, that you have within being a smaller team. Uh, one of the things that um, I think is amazing about you, and I've like uh, invited you to be a guest speaker uh, at the DMC, like in your first year at Fellow, and I've gotten to see like your <laughs> career progression and like all the amazing things that Fellow has done. Like you started off as the first marketer and you worked your way up into being a manager on the team now. So like you're, you're leading folks and you've gotten to write about being a manager 
for the last like three years and now you're a manager like walk us through like some of uh like that experience like people that are in your shoes like three years ago that are like yeah i want to be a marketing manager like what tips do you have for for some of those folks yeah feel so you know when i look back i think i was very lucky because like you said i spent two years learning about management before becoming a manager mm -hmm. but who else does that <laughs> i don't think rare. anyone i don't think anyone that becomes a manager like I, i'm generalizing here but has probably read like one book about management max <laughs> right yeah um so obviously i'm still learning and i I thought to myself this morning, actually, like, oh, my God, one day I'm going to write a book about all the things um, <laughs> that are going through my head right now. You know, like when you first become a manager, there are so many things that nobody tells you, nobody teaches you. Obviously, I was reading books, but uh, it's true that a lot of people just become managers without proper training mm -hmm. or knowledge. So I was lucky that I spent two years learning about it and reading about it. And that has helped me a lot because I, at least I feel confidence that I am that I know the best practices and I am doing what the experts are saying are the right things to do or the or what you should be doing as a manager, right? Um, but if I could, like you said, go back or just share advice with marketers that want to become managers in the future, it would be exactly that, like start reading about management from the beginning of your career. Like a great book that I will always recommend is The Making of a Manager by Julie Su. She was a former VP of product design at Facebook. And the book is a story of her, her leadership journey in the company. So when she was an individual contributor and then became a manager, became a director, and then became a, the VP of product design at Facebook. So um, books like that one and Radical Candor by Kim Scott, and many others are, are are a great start. And obviously, listen to the Super Managers podcast <laughs> if you want to learn course, from other yeah. managers. But like, like like marketing as well, right? Like you cannot expect to be great at it if you're not constantly learning about it. And that's something that I've become very passionate about is becoming obsessed with your craft, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be the craft of management. It could be the craft of marketing. But just make sure that you're always learning about those things and um, that you're always evolving, right? Like, I think a lot of people, I don't know, stop reading about mm. about their their craft and their field or stop learning or think they know it all, but you will never know it yeah. all. And the more interviews I hear from very experienced leaders and very experienced marketers, like, for example, in the Supermanagers podcast, we recently had Harley, who is the CEO of Shopify, sorry, the president at Shopify. Um, we also interviewed uh, JML, who is their former CTO. And all these great leaders, one thing that they've had in common is they, they just have this growth mindset, right, of always learning, always surrounding by themselves by people that are more more knowledgeable and more experienced than them so that's something that i've become very very passionate about it's it's something that's a kind of a recurring theme on our, our own show is just this idea of individual contributor versus manager actually our first episode uh was a bit of a rant from me saying like don't don't go into management like uh it was basically <laughs> an anti anti-management rant i'm a manager so and i and i was bringing up some counterpoints that <laughs> i actually think that you 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 made it you very eloquently uh discussed which is like the idea that management is a separate skill set than what you might you looking at the t-shaped marketer and then you got management like those things are totally they can actually be completely yes. separate things 
Um, how how do you see the interrelation between those two things, like your marketing skill set and then your management skill set? Like, how do you relate them? How do you bring that together into your day job at uh, at Fellow? Yeah, um, I just think, and and I would love your hear, your to hear your thoughts on this, but I think your team will be more likely to trust you if you also have the skills as a marketer, right? And and it's not just about the trust, but you'll be able to understand what your team is doing and give feedback on those things and bring uh, your perspective on, the, on those things, right? So if you develop yourself as a marketer, you'll always be able to to, to share feedback and, and help your team grow as marketers Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you should also be learning about management, which is a separate craft. I agree with you. Like a lot of people become managers because they're great developers or because mm-hmm. they, they, oh, you performed really well as a, you know, like marketer. So we're going to promote you to manager, but it's a completely different set of skills. Uh, but I do, I do think that you need to work on both like sets of skills, marketing and management, because then if you're constantly working on your marketing skills, you'll be a better manager because you'll be able to lead your team and understand what they're doing and obviously give feedback on those things. It's it's such an interesting uh, balance. I totally agree with you. I think like as a marketing leader, I don't think you have to be the best marketer on your team, but you've you've got to be super legit in all all the areas that you bring. And you know, as you as you hire on people, like you're going to manage people who are way better than you in a certain area like i work you know i work with individuals who are like 10 times better writer than i than i ever will be and so having that on your team but you do need to like yeah it's like this is kind of back to the t-shape my grouchiness on the t-shape like i actually think like what's really (laughs) what's really important is the ability to tie it all together the constellation like you you like you we've been talking you know hubspot you know podcasting you know content you know ads you know a little bit of everything but actually like probably what your superpower is knowing fellow super super well knowing the business knowing how to work with the ceo how to get shit done at the at your day job and having that that across the spectrum is probably probably the the skill set certainly that's where i see myself as yeah no i agree and as a manager as a leader you're you're collaborating with other leaders in the company, right? Um, you're always communicating, mm-hmm. uh, showing what your team is doing, but also collaborating on projects with different departments in the company. So it's also a lot of interpersonal skills that are required yeah. to, to be a manager, which perhaps you don't need if you if you want to be a great marketer, right? Well, I do mm-hmm. think you need empathy to be a great marketer because mm-hmm. you need empathy for your customers. <laughs> But yeah, you need a lot of interpersonal skills to be a good manager and yeah. emotional intelligence. Yeah, awesome. Manuela, you walked us through so much stuff that you're doing at Fellow on top of uh, all the other things that you have going on on the side. Like we just briefly touched on your your Twitter and your your social presence. Uh, what you're doing on social media is amazing. Like I, I look up to you as uh, as someone on social. I, I look at your threads and I'm just like, wow, like how, how does Manuela get that much engagement? I Like the content is amazing. I love how you're repurposing like a lot of the stuff from, from the Fellow blog, but also like grabbing pieces from from other folks as well. So Manuel, why don't you uh, wrap us up a little bit and uh, walk us through like how you balance everything that is going on in your life? How do you stay sane and how do you stay happy? Yeah. So just to be honest and realistic for people listening, like there are days when I feel overwhelmed and I feel like there's a lot going on and I just don't want to post anything on Twitter or LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. 
like let yourself have those days when if you don't want to go on social media and have a social presence you can do so right mm -hmm. you can take a break um but at the same time i think something that helps me stay really balanced and focused um is um i mean there are so many things like i said before i always mention the book atomic habits because creating this identity-based habits like thinking about yourself as for example someone who takes care of uh, their well-being or i am someone who takes care of their health instead of just forcing yourself to exercise every day then that will help you build the habit of you know going for walks exercising in the morning to make sure you start your day on a very positive and healthy note mm -hmm. right um, time blocking has been huge for me like i block specific times in my calendar so even for the for the most like, um, you know, like the minimal things like review super managers questions like that's something I know I need to do every week, but I have a time block in my calendar every Wednesday morning, because mm -hmm. if it's not in my calendar, I will forget to do it. So time blocking is the second one. The third one that has been really important for me is journaling. So I journal every morning and every night to write down my thoughts, my intentions for the day and then what went well and what, what could have gone better that day. So um, just to wrap it up, I think to to stay balanced and to stay happy, I'm a big fan of finding, you know, the type of whatever exercise makes you feel good, whether it is dancing, running, weightlifting or walking. Um, the second one was time blocking and the third one is journaling. I love it. Amazing. Manuela, uh, anything else you want to plug? We will give the show notes to, to your Twitter account and as well as the fellow website, fellow blog, fellow uh, podcast as well. But anything else that you'd love to, to plug before we go? No, just uh, very thankful to be on the show. And obviously for anyone who wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, um, always happy to, to have these conversations about marketing and personal growth. Two of my favorite things to talk about. Amazing. Thank you so much for uh, for your time, Manuel. It was uh, an awesome chat and I, I think we could go on for like three hours plus easily. Thanks, guys. This was really fun.